When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 137. Steve here with both Jimmy and Brandon this week. So guys, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, I gotta say that I'm still in a very positive mood from all of the uh, value that Tiago Pinto has been able to squeeze out of the uh, squad and the the players who we know just are not going to be a part of this senior squad going forward. Um, The news about... Uh, more youth players being sent off for additional money. Uh, specifically, Volpato and Misori has me feeling pretty good. And it seems like, according to rumors, that Roma might be in, in the in the lead again for uh, David Fratesi. So it seems like we're in a good spot in terms of the transfer market. Yeah, it does. I really want the Fratesi saga just to end because it's been months and months and months of <laughs> hearing this na- uh, over a year name in the news yeah 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 um so i really just want this wrapped up and as you said rummer potentially now in the lead again for his services remains to be seen if that'll happen um and then you know with his buddy skamaka up in the air as well remains to be seen if Roma will turn to a different player at striker um to replace tammy but again as you said uh pinto doing a good job of fulfilling that 30 million um, FFP obligation that Roma have to satisfy before the end of the month. Um, I think if all the projected sales go through, we're just shy of that 30 million euro mark. So hats off to him and um, having done it without sacrificing a huge name is uh, pretty big. Yeah. It's uh, I, if I did my math correctly today, because I saw someone tweet at, um, Bren with the site account, you know, what are we at right now? And uh, Cloyver, I believe, was 11 million, 10 million for these two to Sassuolo, two youngsters, but is at 21 and an eight and a half for uh, Tahirovich is 29 and a half, which puts us just under the 30 million. I, I don't know how they couldn't squeeze out like an extra half million somewhere with uh, Sassuolo. Um, I don't know, but that means basically they make one more very minor sale or a, a, a like a paid loan deal, and they're at the 30 by the end of the month, which they need to be in the next three days or so by uh, the 30th, which is Friday. We're recording on Tuesday. So I know sometimes we were talking about last week, Jimmy and I, like it hurts to let young players go, but I I don't mind them selling Volpato at this point and Misori. Misori, you know, I don't know how high his ceiling is. I know Volpato still has a pretty high ceiling, but I'd rather sell youngsters that they might pan out, they might not pan out at this point to satisfy that FFP than to pull a big player off the squad and, and do it in haste. Like we've seen them do with Salah and other players in the past. And, and I, I think Pinto's doing a really good job of trying to get to that 30 without um, taking any first team players out, out of the squad right now. And if they decide to sell any Banias or Espinazola in the course of the summer, because they get a good offer, then so be it. But at least it's, it's not a forced move, I think. And I think that's important. 
Um, you know, Carlos Perez, they said there was an offer today for about, I think, uh, 4 million euros from Celta Vigo. Rome's looking for six and a half. Maybe they meet somewhere in the middle around five, five and a half this week. And, and, and things are all wrapped up. And I think that would be an ideal way to end the month of June in terms of outgoing, in, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I would also add, you know, I mean, some people might quibble about the value that we're getting from Sassuolo on Volpato and Misori, uh, thinking about that uh, move from of Benjamin Tahirovich earlier this month to Ajax uh, for, I think it was a, a eight and a half to nine and a half million reported fee uh, to be getting around 10 million from Sassuolo for both Volpato and Misori. Some might say, hmm, that's a little odd uh, or maybe not as fair value. But, you know, Steve and I talked about this last week as well. Uh, it seems like the way that Roma is going to fight on the David Fratesi front against Inter and AC Milan is by, you know, using that 30% sell-on fee that they have, maybe throwing in a player or two. And you have to imagine that, you know, given the questionable nature of some transfers that have happened over the past several years where it's like there have been player swaps in Serie A that have been come, come under scrutiny, both for Juventus and Napoli, uh, that it might be smart for clubs like Roma and Sassuolo to make their transfers be separate, uh, to, you know, have kind of like a wink-wink, understanding that these are related transfers but maybe not just a direct player swap uh so my guess is that any re the reason why volpato and misori might be going for 10 million combined might be related to that uh sassuolo is also reported to be interested in bringing in eduardo bove but most clubs i would say seem to be interested in bringing eduardo bove in uh i've seen rumors linking him to bologna and basically every other mid-table side um uh, given that I'm hopeful that we can uh, get past June 30th with that plus 30 million in the books or whatever that plus must be. Uh, and then in early July, really get some of the bigger moves going, whether that's Gianluca Scamacca, David Fratesi, or others. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what uh, July and August have in store in terms of who Pinto is bringing in. Um, as, as was hinted at earlier, you know, if you get to the end of the month and satisfy your FFP obligation without having sacrificed a first team player, you know, you have that uh, chip on the table to deal with still. Um, if there's an area of the team that you believe hasn't been adequately reinforced, you know, the midfields, if Fratezzi still hanging around and Rama just decides to pull the trigger on that. Um, you move Abanez and that, that funds your Fratezi move right there. And then you have uh, the replacements already built in with Indica. So, um, and, you know, Lorente coming back as well. So potentially, so um, I'm, I'm very curious to what's in store. And I think uh, I would expect a big move and it all likelihood would probably be Fratezi if a big move does come. But I think if with all the pieces still in play, um, at this point, I would I would hope that uh, Pinto brings in a serious player for to help this team push for top four next year. Yeah, I, I think so. And and I guess let's start with Fratesi because that situation is is interesting. And, and I think you used the word saga before, Brandon. It kind of is. It's turning to a saga, right? Because as Jim pointed out, it's been over a, a year now, pretty much. It started around this time last year, last summer, that Roma wanted Fratesi back. Um, 
So that's why we'll play hardball. We know Roma doesn't have the funds to really make that 30 million euro move right off the bat, especially last year. They they spent, I think, what was it, like 7 million euros on Selic, and that was pretty much it in terms of transfer fees. Everything else was was loans and uh, free agent signings, and they've gone a similar path so far this year, but it does look like they will spend um, in some bigger aspect than, than the 7 million they spent on Selic last year. But it's it's been rumored that, you know, he's wanted Roma for a long time and then Inter came calling and Inter was the favorite. And now um, Inter and Milan and, and kind of Juve has been on the back burner aren't coming up with the valuation that Carnivali wants, the, the, the DS from Sassuolo. I think he's looking for about $40 million. And I was reading that um, they sell Hamad Trior to, I think it was, I don't think it was Leicester, but it was one of those Premier League clubs that's kind of like was fighting relegation. I think it was Bournemouth, maybe, and and they it got like Bournemouth. thirty, yeah, Bournemouth, and they got like thirty million euros for him. And then you're like, well, they're they're thinking, well, Frattesi's a better, more important player for us right now. Why not push it to forty? And it seems like nobody's uh, willing to meet that valuation. That all the all the rumors say that Roma's valuation is around thirty million euros, and now it's looking like. Inter and Milan are in the same boat. And Milan just got 80 million for Tonali, right? So they, if they wanted to spend, I guess they could technically, because they're going to show an 80 million euro practically profit on Tonali. I don't think they paid very much for him. Um, you know, he's been on the squad for two years, so I don't know how much transfer fees left to cover. So pretty good plus, plus Valenza there. But we see that they're trying to go with that money ball kind of um, way of, of business. Uh, they got rid of Maldini, and, and they're all they're they're a mess over there in terms of like, fan relations and everything. And once he was sold to Nolly, they're like, well, he's an, they're going to come up to Fratezzi and, and a couple other players. And that's how they're going to, you know, build up that midfield after selling one of the, the, the best young Italian players there is um, on the, on the peninsula and sending him to England. And it doesn't seem that way now. And, and the Inter who was kind of rumored to be the favorite, I saw not too long ago that um, they were kind of banking on Marcel Brozovic going to Saudi Arabia for, I think it was around 23 million euros. And then using that money to, handle most of the deal with throwing in a youngster and maybe a little more cash. And he is waiting for Barcelona by all uh, reports that I read just a little while ago. And Barcelona doesn't have the cash to meet the valuation of the the club right now. So that kind of puts a, a real stumbling block for Inter at the moment. Milan doesn't seem to be going in that direction in the same, I guess, uh, with the same kind of, finances that Sassuolo will be looking for. And like Jim mentioned earlier, now Roma's kind of considered to maybe be the front runner again, if they want to be. So um, latest report from Gianluca DiMarzio just a couple hours ago says that uh, Roma, it could be back in, um, you know, on Fratezzi. Um, if Inter and Milan don't really meet the valuations that, that Sassuolo is looking for. Um, I think it was Filippo Biafra. I also saw a tweet that he, he said Roma's valuations at 30 minus their 30% sell-on fee that they have with Sassuolo for Fratesi. You know, get about 21 million euros cash. He didn't mention anything about Bove. I don't I don't think Roma wants to give up Bove. I think they'd be happy to pay the 21, especially if they're getting 10 from Sassuolo up front. Um, and Bove was kind of rumored this morning to be maybe the key piece to making that deal happen. I mean, what do you guys make of this whole situation? And if Roma is going to go about it, do, would you – Splash the straight cash of your Pinto if that's an option. Would you include Bove? Would you be hesitant to include Bove? And would you maybe nix a whole Fratesi deal over Bove? Because some people I'm reading comments on Twitter and on the board that they wouldn't even want Fratesi if Bove had to be included. 
Yeah, so I mean, regarding uh, Milan and Inter's interest and kind of general messy behavior, uh, I saw a funny tweet that said, in Italy right now, there are three types of clubs. There are clubs that are cheating, there are clubs that are broke, and there's Napoli. And <laughs> I think that uh, out of all the different types of clubs, it's, I'm happy that Roma is in that second group. But even given that, I would say that they've handled being broke in a way more respectable way than a lot of the other clubs in Serie A, especially the Milan clubs. Uh, they've been making smart, they've been making tough decisions and saying, we're going to go for free agents instead of signing exciting players for high transfer fees. They've been making sure that they actually sell their dead weight. Like this is a pretty big difference from how the Pelota era Roma acted, which was if there was a debt or a financial fair play obligation to meet, a star player was sold and often not really replaced. Um, and it's commendable on the, on the first level that Rome was trying to be financially responsible and trying to build a squad from the ground up that can actually last as opposed to being, to bar- borrow a phrase, a grocery store for the big boys. Given that, I think that if I was negotiating for Fratesi with Carnivali, I would be saying, we will pay you the 21 straight. Um, that gives you your 30 million evaluation of um, of Fratesi. I wouldn't want to give up Bove for the simple reason that the thing that really killed Roma last season was lack of depth when they needed it. And I was very much impressed with Nemanja Matic last season, but we don't know how long he's going to be able to be at a Serie A starter level on con- in- inconsistent ways. And... I think that having Bove there still getting a good amount of minutes as we're spread across multiple competitions is a really good backup and hopefully long-term solution for when Matic does eventually, you know, retire. I would say that I also wouldn't be opposed to necessarily structuring a similar deal for Bove as we did for Fertesi. And we have for many youth prospects, including, you know, Lorenzo Pellegrini, where if we sent him off for a fee with an option for a buyback, uh, I think that that would also be a very good way for us to deal with Bove's development because as plenty of people have noted, it's really hard for young players to find continuity in Rome. And it's almost better, especially for any big club, but particularly for Roma where there's just so much pressure on players to succeed from the word go. It's almost better to send a player off to a club like Sassuolo to grow because they don't even, they're the only club in Italy that is not in even a regional capital. And that's kind that's still Serie A football. That's still getting paid well. That's still being, you know, back in the back several years ago, at least fighting for European football. But it's not Rome. And I think that if you look at players like Nicolo Zaniolo and even to a certain extent, Nikola Zalewski, uh, bad form can kill you with the fans so quickly. And young players have bad form. And I think that. I would first go for the 21 million straight cash valuation for Bove. I mean, for Fratesi. Uh, but I would consider sending over Bove if there was a buyback option or a, it was an extended loan because I do think he's got talent and the important thing is that he plays. I feel like at this stage of uh, you know his Roma career, he's had such more of a prominent role compared to some of those other players that have done that previously. So Yeah, so I get what you're saying, Jim, with the <clears throat> uh, buyback. I, I think... The one thing with the buyback is that 
I, I wonder what price Sassuolo put that out on Bove. Like, if they agree to a buyback option on Bove, you almost, you almost have to think it's going to be pretty hefty, maybe 25, 30 million euros, especially if it's in, like, two years. If he develops the way some people think he will, I know he was getting rave reviews at the uh, U20 Euros the other day. He started, he played the full 90 minutes, and he was uh, actually Italy's highest-rated player in their 3-2 win over Switzerland, uh, according to SofaScore and, and some other sites that they, you know, rated him pretty highly. Um, I almost wonder if you have to include Bove, if you can maybe do it on a, a, a loan or something to kind of just get something out of him. Um, I, I don't know, um, because the way Sassuolo plays hardball, I don't know if Roma's going to want to meet like a big buyback in a couple of years or a year's time. I, I do agree with people. I'd be hesitant to include Bove. Would it be a deal breaker for me? I, I'd be... It would hurt. It would definitely hurt. But I think if Roma can get Fratesi and now I think he's more obviously ready to contribute to a team that's pushing for Champions League and maybe making a, another run at the Europa League um, just because he's 25 or whatever he is and Bove's 20. Um, I think that would, would help. But I, I would prefer to go straight cash. I, I know, Brandon, um, we lost you for a second there, but what, what were you saying about the, the potential for Bove being included? Yeah, uh, just generally, I was saying that I don't, I don't, pref- I don't know when I uh, cut out. Sorry about that, but uh, I was saying that generally, I don't prefer to him to be uh, sold, especially with the buyback provision, just because of the role that he's playing with Roma now. And then, given all the competitions that Roma are juggling, uh, whether it be that or the inevitable injury bug that hits, Bobe will be the very valuable player to have on the team and so ideally you would just have both him and for Tezzi as, as Jim mentioned yeah I mean and Steve just to go back to your point about how high the buyback fee might be first of all for Tezzi's 23 just for everyone's conversation here um, but second of all looking back to uh, Pellegrini's transfer over to Sassuolo which I think we all would agree would be the most successful version of kind of this farming out system that Roma's developed with Sassuolo over the years uh, Sassuolo bought him for 1.25 million euros and the buyback option two years later was for 10 million. That was before transfer fees kind of just went insane largely. Um, and you know, he was a far less, he had not really had that much experience with the club. He had one, he had one appearance in the 2014, 2015 appearance, uh, league for Roma before going off to Sassuolo. So my argument with Bove would be, you want it's kind of like the Tammy Abraham situation almost with a with us, us playing the Chelsea role like you want this guy to play he might not be getting that much chance to play and is it worth it to you to say okay we're going to sell this guy for let's say 10 to 15 million and we'll always have a buyback option for 30 to 40 um i think that would be smart um because you want bove to become that type of guy and if it can grease the wheels enough for you to uh get a 23-year-old midfielder from Rome back at the club who, you know, could explode in value over the next several seasons. It makes sense to me. Yeah, that argument could definitely be made. Um, but right now, Roma's midfield, I, I guess we're looking at, really, it's Cristante, Matic, and Bove, right, in, in terms of players on the roster right now that are center mid. So if they do use him to get Fratesi, they have to bring someone else in at this point because they have to replace Wijnaldum and Kamara, right? Unless I'm forgetting someone. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I just also wonder, based off of how the, the squad's been being built up and who else we're being rumored to be attached to, uh, there is a Brazilian attacking midfielder. There's uh, Baldanzi, who we discussed already. Uh, my question there is, if we're bringing in all these attacking midfielders, are are they going? Are we going to see a shift in formation? Um, are we going to see a more attack happy formation, maybe with more defenders? Because again, we're buying more defenders now too. Um, so based off of our purchases so far, I that makes me wonder kind of if that midfield formation is going to shift away from the double pivot. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, do they go maybe three five two and play more of a Metzala role for Fratesi and you can drop Pellegrini into that role? He played that role a lot, I know, at, at Sassuolo, and that was kind of his under uh, EDF, too, when he first came back, when Monroe played uh, a different formation. Um, it would be interesting. That would leave Dybala with whoever the striker is up front, and then Pellegrini would make his... I guess, runs and help and attack. It, it would be an interesting look because Fratesi is a box-to-box guy who can contribute to the attack in a way that r- none of Roma's other cent- true central mids do, um, you know, when you include Pellegrini in, like, the attacking midfield role. So it, it would definitely add a different dimension. I, I'd be curious. And I know that he had made comments about, you know, going to a place where he felt like he had the best role in terms of, like, his position, and, and he's used to playing in a three-man midfield. So... It's not out of the question. Um, I don't think they're going away from three center backs based on what we've seen in terms of the market and, and bringing in Indica and keeping Smalling on an extension. Mancini, there's been no rumors he, he'll be around. Ibanez's says rumors have quieted. Do they sell him? Maybe, maybe they don't. And they're also bringing Lorente back on loan from all reports. So I don't think they move away from the three center backs, but you could you could adjust the formation a little bit, go a little more 3-5-2. Um, there's definitely options there. Yeah, and then there's also the uh, Mourinho favorite four two three one, um, which was we've seen at times, but hasn't really gelled with the personnel we have at our disposal. But with some of the players that we're bringing in, you know, you have Indica, who I believe is a left-footed center back. Um, so you, you you know you're bringing in some players that are a little bit more equipped to play well in this formation, but. I, I do kind of agree with you in that I don't I don't see Roma shying away from the three center back system. The only thing is, in terms of a three man midfield, uh, at this point in time, they de- they certainly don't have the bodies to yeah. to handle that, um, especially with three competitions. So, if that is the route they want to go, they're definitely going to need to continue to bring in some midfielders. Yeah, for sure. And and another one that was linked, um, more of an attacking midfielder was was Aichi Kamada, I saw linked. But again, he's more of an attacking player. Baldanzi, more of an attacking player. We did see Weston McKenney uh last week, the, the US international. He's more of a, a true center mid. He's out of favor at Juve. He went on loan to Leeds last um last season. I mean, he would be a body if they can get him on loan. I don't know if that's the direction they're gonna go, if that how true that rumor is. But um I feel like a lot of the players that are, are linked at that are midfielders besides Fratesi and, and McKenney recently, at least in the last, you know, a couple of days or so have been those more attacking type players, which, which is interesting considering the lack of bodies in the central midfield to me. Yeah. I, I think that it seemed pretty clear to me that the main priority for Diego Pinto so far is getting that financial fair play situation kind of resolved. But I do think that there are a bunch of moving parts that we're not necessarily seeing just yet. 
Uh, for example, there have been a lot of rumors about who might be replacing Digital Bits as our main sponsor. Um, there have been a lot of rumors about the valuation of that sponsorship, some going as far to say that it might be a $30 million a year uh, sponsorship. If they're able to secure that type of deal, that does change the nature of the transfer market a bit. And I think that there are other factors in there, including, you know, during the over the course of training camp, if players like Bove are able to impress enough to be consistent midfield players and not just kind of like a sub-appearance on a regular basis, uh, that would also change the dynamics. You don't feel, maybe feel the need to bring in a midfielder beyond Fratesi, or maybe you feel like you can focus your efforts on bringing in a Spinazzola replacement who's been rumored to be headed to Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think that the work that they've done already by snatching up some of the best free agents on the market has been excellent, but there's a lot of fluidity to what Roma can do next year, which is actually pretty exciting when you think about it. Yeah, so for sure. Is... Go, go ahead, Ren. No, I was just going to ask, is this the summer that uh, Verratti arrives in Rome? <laughs> if you could bring in Verratti and Fratesi, then you'd be really be cooking in the midfield. Um, yeah, I don't, I, that, that situation is interesting with uh, Verratti. He's linked to Saudi saw, Arabia, but doesn't seem yeah. like he wants to go there. Um, I think I everyone's really linked to Saudi Arabia, Arabia right now. Yeah, they're, they're linked with a lot of players. Um, <clears throat> Verratti, I'm curious to see how it plays out. He's never played in Serie A, and he's been one of the best Italian midfielders of the last I guess about 10 years now. So that'll be interesting to see if he ends up in Serie A in some, some way, but I don't know if anybody's got the money to, to give him what he wants in terms of wages. I don't know if he'll, he'd be willing to accept a little less money to play in Serie A if he doesn't get a, an offer abroad that he likes. It, it'd be a curious one for sure. Yeah. He'd probably have to take a lot of less money uh, to yeah. play for Roma. I saw, I know at one point he was linked with City in the Bernardo Silva swap, which you could see happening more so than him returning to to Italy. But, uh, you know, we've seen some crazy moves already this summer, so anything can happen. Um, I don't think it'll be Roma, but with all indications, it seems that he does really want to leave PSG, so who knows? Yeah, for sure. So let's take a quick ad break here, and then we will get to some more rumors that have been swirling. All right, guys. So we had one one listener inquiry um, today, and it, it was related to Fratesi. So before we get further, if uh, and Cooley King and Cooley on Twitter asked, assuming Roma do miss out on Fratesi, who do you see adding to the midfield? Do you think Awar fits more in midfield or attack? I think that's an excellent question, and one that I don't necessarily have the answer to, just because. If Awar is seen as a vice Pellegrini or vice Dybala, then why are we still being linked to young, exciting, attacking midfielders? Uh, that's kind of an open question for me and makes me think that Awar might be considered as more of a part of the more traditional element of the midfield. Uh, that's my guess. I think that he might be more of a Wijnaldum replacement than we realize. Uh, as for who else I could be seeing... Uh, I'll be honest and say that I've been so focused on Fratesi as the option that I haven't been trying to think too much about Fratesi replacements. Uh, beyond that, uh, I gotta say that I wouldn't. I'm. I'd be skeptical of Weston McKenney. Um, I think that he's got talent, but I think that he is also a moody player 
who might not necessarily fit with the mentality that Roma is trying to build. Uh, I think that there were a lot of rumors about how when he was in the Premier League, there were you know questions about his practice regimen, things like that. And this is a club that is currently undergoing a pretty massive mentality tra- change, trying to be more aggressive in developing kind of that killer, never say die winning mentality. And from what I've seen so far of McKenney, I don't know if he would compliment that. So that's my biggest hesitation with McKenney. Yeah, that, that was what a lot of what I saw about McKenney. I know that part of the link was they're looking for a midfielder who can chip in goals like Frat says he can. And I, I think that's where the natural um, link to McKenney comes about is if you're looking for a guy who can chip in goals, he can do that. I've seen him do it plenty with the U.S. national team. I know he didn't do it a whole ton last year. I think his first season at UVA, he might have chipped in like five or six goals. Really good in the air on set pieces. That's where he's done some damage for the U.S. national team. Uh, obviously, different setup with Roma, but he's got talent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't he's think he's talent. like on the Fratezzi level. He'd be, I think, a step below for sure. Um, but he does work his tail off when he plays, and and in that regard, I think Mourinho would like him. But I think he would have to really buy into the Mourinho mentality, into the Mourinho, um, you know, psyche, and and taking it from the coach when he goes at him a little bit, and, and really. I think the hope would be, at least from his entourage standpoint, that Marino can kind of push him to that next level. Um, and just while I'm going here quick, I just looked up Awar, and interestingly enough, in his career with Lyon, um, 233 appearances total, when you look at his positions played by match, he actually has 107 matches listed as a true central mid, 37 as a left midfielder, 36 as an attacking mid, um, 16 even as a DM, which is interesting because I know his uh, – people question his defensive abilities and a couple as a, a winger. So um, maybe he is more of that Jeannie Winhaldum direct replacement. Maybe he plays, maybe he becomes kind of that like Joker player for Mourinho where he can kind of put him anywhere in the midfield. He needs him, whether it's attacking or central or, or whatever. And it adds some versatility and adds an extra body to the central midfield. Yeah. With uh, I- I'm okay with LR being the Winaldum replacement provided he doesn't put up a stinker in the Europa League final like Jenny did. <laughs> All due respect to him. Uh, um, but uh, labeling him a central midfielder, I think, is a, is a character characterization that makes sense given from what I understand about him. He's very good um, in transitions and, and playing the ball quick, um, which I think is exactly what you're going to want out of somebody who's playing in that one album role. You could see at times that that was the intent, but the execution just wasn't there at, um, but, and then to, to go to the Weston McKinney, um, point, I'm not really a big fan. Um, I think in reference, you know, Jimmy referenced the, the disciplinary issues and also, uh, dating back to his time in UVA, and the men's national team, he's had some stuff pop up, which normally for me, that it's not necessarily a knock on the player. I like enjoy pl- watching plenty of the, the quote unquote bad characters of soccer. But um, I think you could also easily envision a scenario where that kind of blows up in Roma's face um, during a, you know, God forbid, a game similar to, to the Bodo debacle. And then from there, Weston's on the outs with Mourinho, and that's all she wrote. And, of course, that's all just pure speculation, and it can work out more so in what you guys were saying, where he brings out the best in him. But I think 
Um, if you're just looking to add a body, it's not necessarily the profile of player I would go with just because, um, and maybe this is just me uh, speaking from an American perspective, but I think to have a player on the bench that you, I don't know, would be your maybe fourth, fifth option at midfield, um, maybe just a little too much uh, going on around the player to, to be worth the, that spot on the roster. Yeah, it, it, the, the rumors really lasted one day. I haven't seen anything since, so I, I don't think it goes anywhere. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> but like you said, I, I, I could see going either way. And um, I, I do think if you're looking at Fratezzi as the priority number one in terms of midfielder right now, McKenney's going to definitely be something on the back burner because he's not of the same quality um, from what I've seen. So I guess moving on from midfield to attack, all indications were, seem to, to point still toward Gianluca Scamacca. I know it's still early in the in the window. I think that's a big reason why this is moving slowly because West Ham want more guarantees in terms of a, a, a resale on him, in terms of a sale overall. Roma's looking for a loan. Maybe they'd be willing to include the option to, to buy. I don't think they want to be stuck with an obligation, especially if he has a poor season. Roma doesn't qualify for Champions League, and you're on the hook for like 30, 35 million euros, and you, you don't really have that coming in because you finish in Europa League places again. And then if that happens, Mourinho maybe is gone. Who knows You know what happens to the club after that in terms of management and, and everything. So I think they're looking at that situation. I know Milan is now you know, kicking the tires on a Scamacca move, but – um, according to Gianluca Di Marzio, uh, Scamacca is going to do all he can to try to make the Roma move happen. It's his priority. You know, he wants Roma at all costs is the way I, I saw it phrased today. You know, at some point there becomes a, there comes a limit to that. If it's, you know, taking dragging on for too long, then maybe Milan becomes an attractive option for him. Um, I saw Mario Icardi was offered to Roma by Juan Donara, as, as well as I think Milan and Juve were linked to him. Um, but Roma... Uh, in that report is still prioritizing Skamaka. So, I mean, nothing really to report here, but do you guys still feel confident that he ends up in Rome? I know yeah, our I silence is step. <laughs> the silence is happening. Say, I know. I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> <they> both leave? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I definitely do. Um, I would say that, even more than Fratezzi, who in recent interviews has tried to play coy and basically said, like, you know, last year I was really determined to get to Rome. This year I'm thinking with my head, not my heart. Uh, every indicator that we've had from Skamaka's camp is that he is desperate to get back to Roma. I think that that doesn't necessarily shock me because my understanding of why he moved away from Roma in the first place um, several years ago now, despite being a very highly hyped prospect in the Roma Academy, was that he was just simply offered a contract that was too good to turn down elsewhere. Uh, and Roma, even back then, had an emphasis on trying to maintain some semblance of a salary structure. And so you can understand that. Um, but still, uh, I think that for Roma going forward, it's going to be critical to continue developing the players like the Lorenzo Pellegrinis and hopefully bringing back players from their world-class academy like David Fratezzi and Gianluca Scamacca because there is a bond there that you develop that makes it harder for them to be pried away from by a super club later down the line. And let's be honest, 
if Roma is successful in the way that I think we all think that the club can be, that is the problem. That is the next step. When you are able to develop a player like Alisson or kind of resuscitate a career like Roma did with Mostala, the problem is that then Liverpool comes knocking or then Manchester United comes knocking or Real Madrid comes knocking. And you're not going to be able to stop that from happening, period. Um, but it's a lot easier to keep those players around if they're academy born and raised versus, you know, just some guy that you brought in several years ago. Like, I'd be more confident in Roma keeping Gianluca Scamacca around if he became a superstar than I would be if three years from now, Evan Ndika is one of the best defenders in the world and Barcelona says, hey, we want to bring you in. You know what I mean? I think So I think that there is an advantage to building up as much core as possible, both from Italian internationals and from Roma Academy grads. Yeah, it, it would be something if they can bring him in to go with Fratesi, Bove, Pellegrini, um, Zalewski. I mean, they'd have a pretty good handful of, even if they didn't all graduate, because Skamaka technically didn't graduate from the Roma Academy. Guys that have come through the Roma Academy and turned into solid pros, it, it would be impressive, and, and it would be um, a point of pride, certainly, for, for Roma. I saw they won the U-17 Scudetto a couple days ago. They won the U-16 Scudetto yesterday. I think they clinched that. Uh, I think it was against Fiorentina's youth side. So really cool stuff to, to see that they are developing players, not just having to go out and buy players. And and um, it seems like you mentioned last week, Fadi Conti has a, a bright future from all indications. You know, they some of their players are bringing in eight to 10 million euros as as teenagers. So I, I think Roma is doing a really good job in, in that regard. Yeah, and then uh, best case scenario, how it all pans out is something similar uh to the Golden State Warriors and the NBA where you have a core of four or five guys and then you add that one big piece in KD um, and go on a historic run. So, you know, comparing that to Roma, you can you can envision a scenario where this, this core group of homegrown players uh, develops to the point that Roma are a perennial top four contender and then you splash the cash bring in a player or two um, that slots right into the starting 11. And then there you go. There's your Scudetto push, your uh, Champions League semifinal push, if if that's your goal, um, what have you. But again, the emphasis being that it's it's so important to, to grow these homegrown, to keep hold on to these uh, homegrown players. Yeah, for sure. The, the homegrown aspect, and, and, and you know, that's what sucked us all in, I'm sure. Totti, De Rossi, right? Those players are the ones that attracted us to the club. We might have known they were homegrown at the moment when we first started following the club, but then that aura kind of builds as you get invested in the club, and you're like, it's a point of pride. Like, Totti turned down Real Madrid to stay at Roma, right? I mean, De Rossi, he, he could have gone to some Premier League sides or to Spain, probably to one of those big sides or, or a bigger Italian side, and, and he stuck around. I think Chelsea was always his big link. And you see that now with some of these players. And if they can keep Pellegrini around, and I know he's not on the level of those guys, it's just definitely a point of pride. So definitely something cool to see. Um, Jim, anything else you want to throw on Skamaka before we move on to the next topic? I forgive him for the bonsai thing. <laughs> we'll keep his dad away from the parking, from the parking yeah, exactly. lot, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So besides those players who are going to be coming in, players that are really close to coming in, one on return, one new player is uh, Diego Lorente likely returning 
um, on loan from Leeds. Um, Romo was impressed with him. I thought he was pretty good as that fourth, fifth center back. And it seems like things are getting pretty close. I think there's probably going to be a an option to buy in some regard. And then uh, Christensen, the, the right back from Leeds. Um, <clears throat> Roma's looking for a, a dry loan or a loan with option to to bring him back next season. They do not want an obligation from the reports from DeMarzio earlier today. Um, he was bought from Salzburg just a year ago. Roma's actually linked with him last summer when, when Leeds bought him from Salzburg. And if that happens, I, I guess we can kiss Rick Karsdorp goodbye. But um, interesting profile. I, I know he's a Danish national team player. He was brought in from Salzburg to Leeds for $15 million. That team was really bad defensively in the Premier League. Um, you know, some, some say he was not very good from some of the comments I've seen. Sometimes hard to tell when you're such a bad side. Um, Brandon, I know you watch more Premier League than we do. I don't know how much you saw Leeds. Maybe it was only against City. But what, what do you think of them bringing back Lorente and Christensen? So I'll, I'll, I'll answer the Christensen part first in that I'm not very familiar with the player. As you said, it would only – me, me seeing him would only have come against City or another one of the the big six, but um, so it's it's not a player that I'm familiar with. But I think to your point, it's it's a, a cars or replacement of sensibly, um, and we know that's a that's a position that is frequently hit with the injury bug. So um, you know, de- depth is crucial at that position. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, with Lorente, I'm very happy to see that he's linked with coming back. Um, I think, as you said, he did very well in his uh, six-month loan spell at the club um, as that fourth or fifth option. And with Smalling getting another year older, you're going to need somebody to um, to rotate in a little bit more. I know we have Indica as well, so that'll help too. Um, but it's, it's somebody that Mourinho already knows and trusts and, uh, we'll, we'll see what the final deal ends up being, what the cost of the obligation to buy is. If that ends up being inserted, um, I'm sure it would be somewhat dependent on Leeds ability to return to the Premier League. But, um, like I said, we'll see what those, what those details end up being. Um, but for now it's, it's good news that, that Roma are, uh, Again, not resting on their laurels in terms of reinforcing some key spots. Yeah, I mean, my opinion on the Laurenti side thing is that, you know, he was a very serviceable def- defensive backup for the second half of the season. Everybody from the manager down seemed to really appreciate the effort that he put in on a regular basis. He's not Chris Smalling, but you don't want your fourth or fifth center back to be Chris Smalling. Uh, you want him to be a guy who's comfortable kind of coming in and being sub a sub guy most of the time when and maybe starting every now and then. Uh, as for the Christensen move, I will be honest and say that I've never been super high on Rick Karsdorp as a player. I think that the roller coaster ride that has been the Rick Karsdorp experience for Roma over the years has had more lows than highs. Uh, part of that's down to injury. Part of that's due to quarrels with managers. Part of that's due to, I don't know, just not a great performance on the pitch and he's not a good enough player in my mind to justify the runs of poor form and the clashes with managers and things like that. Um, So even if Rasmus Christensen isn't necessarily on Karsdorp's level at the moment, um, if he's able to be consistent 
in some way, shape, or form, and let more healthy than Karsdorp's been, I'd say that's probably an upgrade. Uh, and yeah, I, I clearly am not a big fan of of Karsdorp, but yeah, if, if you if you can tell me that I'm wrong in my read of him, I'm happy to relent. Yeah, I mean, Karsdorp he has his moments once in a while where he's he's pretty good, but most of the time it's either indifferent or sometimes really bad. Um, and like you said, the <clears throat> the clashes of management definitely don't help his case. You know, Christensen, I don't think he's going to be a world beater. Um, but some of his numbers, when I when I looked him up on FB Reference, when I first reported the rumor on the site, I guess it was Friday, um, they weren't terrible. Like, when you look at his numbers over the last 365 days in Europe's big five leagues, he, he rated pretty well, um, which which was interesting. Um, I think I just pulled up the wrong one. Wrong Christensen. A bunch pop up here. Go. Um He's actually listed as Rasmus Neeson um, first. So when you look him up, you know, on FB reference, and they have those last 365 days across the, you know, Europe's leagues, he rates pretty decently. So, you know, I think there's a player in there. Um, I don't think Roma or Mourinho would want him around if they didn't think he could defend as a right back. Um, in fact, his tackles, interceptions, blocks, clearances, aerials, one all in the top um, 82 or higher percentile for right backs uh, across Europe's big five leagues. Uh, he really excelled at interceptions, 93%, um, chipped in a couple goals and assists. So it would be interesting to see. Um, I mean, maybe just a change of air would be the best thing for Karsdorp. I know the, the clash with Mourinho. Then he kind of came back into the fold. Then he had the meniscus issue. So it might just be time to move on um, from him. And then speaking of moving on, since the last time we recorded, Cloyver, Justin Cloyver, official to Bournemouth. We, we mentioned 11 million euros last week when Jim and I recorded. He It wasn't official yet. Um, I think that also went official on Friday. Just just a minute or so. Like, what do you guys think of, like, what went wrong with Cloyver? Was was he just too young when he got here? Was it the mentality that, oh, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone? Or, or was it just something entirely different that kind of didn't lead to what we maybe expected from him? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I think it's a, it was a combination of him being too young. And I think uh, – the time that he joined the club was right around the time that everything kind of went to shit. Um, and there's a, little, <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of, and there's a ton of upheaval with the club. And so that didn't help him either. Um, it's a shame that it didn't work out. I think I was surprised when he didn't get it really a run out under Mourinho, but uh, you know, I think, at that point, the club probably just wanted to wipe their hands clean of uh, Clivert and and uh, get him off the books. And you know, it's it's taken now a couple of years to finally do so um, with a number of loan spells. But I think even even he would say that he he came too young, um, and I think he has said that in in recent interviews. Um, I don't I don't really have a problem with the stepping stone line because. From my recollection at the time of his transfer, that was kind of all the chatter you were hearing, anyways. Um, when you have a last name, when you have the last name Clivert and your and your father played for Barcelona, there's going to be an expectation, and you yourself coming from Ajax, which is a, a big club in its own right, there's going to be an expectation that you're just going to continue to develop and then eventually, um, essentially, be your father's heir whether it be at Barcelona or another big club. And I'm sure that he, he bought into that. Um, 
to to a significant degree. And so I, I can't really knock him for that. I mean, players are ambitious, and that's that's partly why they why they are where they are. Um, but I think so. I think, but I so I think the youth and the and the people around the club were really the main factors in his downfall. I would agree that the upheaval around the club was definitely a factor here. I think it's often underrated in why young players don't necessarily explode onto the scene. Uh, some players are, you know, just predestined in a way that, you know, Mbappe was always going to be Mbappe. Uh, Holland is always going to be Holland. But for players who are quite good and have the potential to be great, you still need the right environment for them to like incubate into a star. And I don't think Roma was really the right environment for most players during that era. Uh, I think that, do I find it a little annoying that he was so upfront about viewing Roma as a stepping stone? A hundred percent. But at the same time, I think that there is a level of ego that is necessary to be a successful footballer. Uh, and I also think that there's a level of ego that's going to be present when you've got his last name uh, and have a very successful youth career. Uh, so, I mean, I understand it. I'm disappointed because I was quite excited when he came in. And also, just like I remember him being, you know, he wasn't scoring goals or anything, but he was pretty impressive when it came to tracking back. He never he put in effort on the pitch. Um, so as much as he was showing that he had his mind elsewhere, maybe, uh, I still felt like the effort was often there on the pitch as well. Uh, you know, it's it's more, I, I, my general feeling on it is actually maybe a more muted version of how I feel about Zaniolo right now, which is like the talent was clearly there, the potential was clearly there, and I mainly just feel like it's a shame that it didn't ever translate. Yeah, I, I go with what Brandon said, too. I think the youth had a lot to do with it. The, the club was in a bit of upheaval. He was here for a, a few different managers, didn't help. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I think it's natural, like you guys said, to, to want to move on from Rome eventually when you have the last name Cloy, your, your father played at Barcelona and, and Milan and, and these other clubs. And I think he kind of saw himself doing a similar path, maybe go from Ajax to Roma to either Barcelona or Madrid. He said himself recently um and it's one of those things that's unfortunate that he didn't at least pan out to the extent that Roma could have gotten 20 30 million euros for him a couple of years ago but you know they made 11 million now they kind of washed their hands he's still young enough to maybe go make an impact but the fact he's bounced around for a couple of clubs now makes you think he's not going to ever be like that star player for a club I wish him the best at Bournemouth but um yeah, he might be following that kind of journeyman path at this point. And um, it's hard when you have a name like Cloyver to live up to it, right? I think it's the same thing we're kind of seeing with Christian Totti now. I know he's in the youth system still. I read he's probably moving on to Frozenone's youth system. Probably a, a decent player at it for his age group, but probably not on the Roma level. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's a lot of players who would love to be that good at his age or Cloyver good at his age. But um, sometimes the name is a lot to live up to, too, I think. All right, so a couple quick other rumors to, to wrap on. Abrima Darboe, uh, apparently official offer came out from LA, LASK. Um, probably a loan, maybe an option to buy. I think for a player like him, probably necessary, I think, to move on, right? Uh, at least on a loan because he's coming off a full year out, and I don't see where he kind of fits in this, this side. He's in the minutes, and maybe going to the Austrian Bundesliga maybe would be a good move for him if that move materializes. Yeah, I agree. A fresh start would be the best. Um, Roma are continue 
continuing to look to reinforce the midfield to to get to that next level and at this stage of his development it's it's best to get some consistent playing time that you're probably not going to get at Roma yeah it's a shame again like it's a situation where it's like I wish that Roma had a kinder environment and I wish that uh, just in general there was more ability for young players to succeed in a way that you kind of see it happen more in the Premier League and things like that. But, uh, you know, onwards and upwards. Yeah, and, and 22 years old, still could have a bright future ahead of him. Could even have a future at Roma, we never know. But uh, I think for this season, definitely needs to move on. And then the last one uh, I wanted to t- touch on quick before we go is actually two of them. Leo Spinazzola linked with Saudi Arabia. Interesting um, potential there. I, I think potential offer I read might be like 15 million euros or 18 or something in that range. I don't remember off the top of my head. And then Ola Solbach, and apparently his entourage was contacted by um, German side Hoffenheim. Uh, Solbach and only here for six months so far, really played just half a season, came on the free transfer from um, Bodo. What do you make of either either or both of those players moving on at this point? It would feel weird to me if Solbakken moved on. I like it just would. Like I wouldn't really know what to make of the move if uh, <laughs> if it turned out that he was only around for six months and then went off to like a pretty decent side with the Bundesliga. As for Spinazzola, it's so annoying that he literally looked like one of the best players in the world before getting himself injured again. I could see him taking the Saudi Arabia money, but then again, as I said earlier with Verratti, everyone seems to be taking theoretically linked to Saudi Arabian money right now, so I don't know how much I believe that. Uh, Do I want Roma to have a more consistent option at fullback? Yes, Uh, but I also don't want that to be Nikola Zalewski, so I kind of hope that he sticks around just so Nikola Zalewski can get moved into more of an attacking role. Yeah, Spinozola would... uh hurt me to be honest similarly to when El Shirari left for China uh, I know we haven't seen Spinazzola recapture that Euro's form since he's returned from injury but you still see flashes a bit um, and up till now we haven't been uh, we haven't seen Roma linked with any left backs so or left wing backs rather um, so you wonder who would come in to replace him uh, as as Jimmy mentioned, you don't really want to bank on Zalewski in that position long term. So with Spinazzo departing, you would expect a little bit of, big, of a bigger name to come in. And at that point, it's always a question of what the price will be for that. So personally, I'm hoping that Spinazzo sticks around. Um, I get wanting to cash in on him uh, as he gets another year older and still hasn't recaptured that Euros form. But um, it's a player I like, so selfishly, I would like to keep him. Um, and then with uh, with Solbakken, I think it would be a savvy move to sell him because it would be, you know, all, all plus Valenza, I believe, um, since he came in on a free transfer or something close to that. Um, so it could be a savvy bit of business depending on what Hoffenheim are offering, but I think he's shown enough in his very limited uh, spell that um, I would like to see him continue on. Yeah, I'd like to see both of them stick around. I, I am a Spinazzola fan. You know, um, he hasn't hit that Euro level again. He may never do it at, the, at it now at his age, pushing 30. I know he's had a contract at the end of the season, which is why Roma might be keen to take money for him because if they don't want to renew him, then you at least get something for him. But 
like you guys said, I haven't seen any left backs linked really at this point. And if you do bring in a left back, you, you need a starting quality left back. Cause I don't think you want to keep sticking Zalewski there full time. Um, <clears throat> at least though, if they do bring in Christensen and they have Selleck healthy and Spinozol does go, if, if Zalewski does have to play like a wing back type role for another season, at least he would be able to play his more natural left sided position. Um, if Spinozol is not around, but, I, I prefer Spinozol to stick around and, and you find ways to get Zalewski on the field more in the attacking role. Solbakken, to me, is an interesting prospect. I think to get rid of him now would be strange. Um, only here for six months. He did show flashes. Um, just 24 years old. So I'd like to see him stick around. He scored recently on international duty with Norway, I think last week, um, in Euro qualifying. So I, I'd like to see him both stick around. But would not be shocked if Spinazzolo goes. Be a little more surprised if Solbakken goes, I think. All right. So I think, guys, I think that takes us to the end of a long list of rumors and, and potential moves and, and moves that seem to be close for Roma. Um, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we, uh, you know, go? And, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about by next week because then we'll be into July. Now, just uh, got to tip your hat off to Pinto uh, for getting this close to satisfying that FFP obligation. And uh, fingers crossed he gets that last uh, 500K or whatever the amount is uh, to get to the finish line. Yeah, I mean, knock on wood, let's hope nothing crazy happens in the transfer market or nobody gets injured. But uh, as I said last week, this transfer market's been just about as good as one could hope. Uh, from Tiago Pinto to date. Let's hope, let's hope it keeps on rolling. Yeah, for sure. Hoping that that good news comes on the Fratesi and Skamaka fronts after, you know, June 30th passes and they get that little bit of cash, I guess, big, big bit for any of us, if we were talking about like um, <laughs> getting paid it, but a little right. bit in terms of world football, right? I'd, I'd sure take 500 K right now, but um, <laughs> if we can get that 500 K to a million, whatever Roma short, get that done by Friday. I'm, I'm thinking it maybe comes from Carlos Perez. I think they'd find that deal. That seems to be the one that's the hottest right now. Um, and then hopefully next week we're talking about more incoming stuff or at least strong links. And uh, we have some more to talk about. But thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week.